0: This session is called Cutting Pleasantries. Right, loud, loud. Louder, louder, shout! I got my inside voice. I will have to use my outside voice. Uh, so we're starting our next session, Cutting Pleasantries, and I'm going to do exactly that. I'm going to cut the pleasantries and go right to uh, Ted Tanner, who's going to moderate this session. Thank you, Ted. And thank he'll thank
1: you. Um, so. Thank you, Tori. Uh, so, an honor to be here at Columbia University. Uh, see several uh, familiar faces in the audience. Um, my name is Ted Tan, I'm the co-founder and CTO of Pocket Doc. We have uh, Matt Cunningham, SVP of Evacore. Jay Sales, head of innovation at the shop for VSP Vision, and Eric Pupo, Columbia University Medical Systems Division. Is that correct? Medical Center. Medical Center, okay. So, uh, we're gonna jump right into it and save some time. Um, It is is a a treat for me because usually I'm on the other side of the boards. I never actually get to moderate. I'm always asked the questions, and Tori was kind enough to let me be a moderator here. So I'm going to start off, because this is a blockchain technology conference, I'm going to start off with my definition of distributed ledger technology. Feel free to use it, uh, modify it, tweet it out, argue about it. So, blockchain allows possibly adversarial entities coming to provable consensus through computational governance via autonomous agents in a secure distributed environment. So, given that, I want to get—I want to start with Matt here and go down the list and get your initial reaction to that definition.
0: Go ahead. Thanks, Ted. Yeah, I, I come from more the business side, not the technical uh, side, and I sort of view that as interoperability um, in, a, in a more tactical
2: sense. All right. So I, I come from the technology side and I look at that as bringing it down to the same flavor as talking about TCP/IP, where you're talking about an address so that you can exchange information. Functional. Okay. All right,
3: Eric? Uh, I, I would say I come at it from both sides as a CIO. Awesome. So, uh, I definitely agree with, with that type of definition. I think the one thing uh, that I've seen certainly with the word adversarial, uh, you're seeing blockchain used both for adversaries and mm-hmm. those who really want to work together. Consortiums, very important piece that I've seen uh, in making blockchain successful.
1: That's a great point. We're gonna actually uh, we're gonna go down a list of questions and actually peel it back and get down to the essence of that yes. pretty soon.
2: I, I think the the reason why adversarial is important in there though because. What we're seeing right now is if if we don't start to actually join our forces and create the the value chain of healthcare, because a patient's uh, cradle to grave does not cover one healthcare entity, um, that we're we're doing a disservice to our patients, to our members at a scale that's almost morally corrupt. Okay,
1: Um, question number two. Given we just had a definition discussion, Why is it, do you think people want to understand something called blockchain?
0: Um, I just will say, just as as we see the market, we deal with 120 payers uh, across the country, 100 million members go through us on a regular basis. We have a unique perch on seeing where healthcare delivery system is thinking about various technologies. And I would say three years ago, it was a what is blockchain? Isn't that Bitcoin? To now, almost every payer that we deal with, the largest payers have some uh, very specific direct project uh, that is dealing with exploring uh, blockchain te- technology. So I think bottom line is everyone sees this as a technology that's emerging. It's now becoming a serious discussion compared to um, uh, you know just kind of a, a fanciful, fanciful discussion. Okay.
2: I think we've gone from how is this related to Bitcoin? Right. To how is this going to disintermediate me? To what are the business opportunities now? Mm-hmm. Um, disintermediation, disintermediation is causing the need to understand it. After coming to some kind of a level of understanding, the, the opportunities are being mm-hmm. very clearly seen. All right. Yeah, just following on the word disintermediation.
3: Uh, that's a very dangerous world uh, or word. Uh, for uh, a lot of uh, the customers that I used to work with uh, in a consulting background, corporations, heard that with blockchain and thought, we need to react to that. Something bad is going to happen to my business. Uh, now, much more, I think, the, the interest on the blockchain side is it's one tool and a larger set of technology tools that people have available to them to uh, attack and solve uh, some of the the healthcare challenges that we have, uh, interoperability being one, Mm -hmm. uh, but many of them uh, as challenges that are challenges like care management, for example, where uh, you're seeing that type of challenge have both operational and technology challenges. Mm -hmm. Blockchain could be a big part of that uh, because it has aspects that uh, affect both with technology but also with behavior and changing behavior, uh, which is very important uh, from our perspective uh, at a medical center. So
1: maybe, so, thanks for those clarifications So for context and, and I think think is and, and it's been my experience personally is like when people say they want to understand blockchain they really you know nobody wanted to understand uh, no databases you what nobody really wants to understand how a um, support vector machine works and machine learning they want to understand if their business proposition will be disintermediated.
0: Yep. I think that's actually the technology is less the discussion and more the use case. I mean mentioned yesterday or the other the other uh, session it's really around what are the various scenarios by which either disintermediation, or I've got a consortium, or I've got joint ventures, and how do we interact? What's the right use case in order to use the technology?
4: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think
0: that's actually becoming a, a more uh, prescient conversation than it was in the past.
2: Okay. I think Brian also hit on something during the debate where he talked about people talking about data as the new oil, mm-hmm. and people had a misconception that we're talking about sharing data on chain. Mm-hmm. And oh, my data Complete,
1: complete misconception. Right.
2: So, that was also one of the, let's say 365 days ago, people were still screaming about, well, yeah. we're not gonna put our data out mm-hmm. there. It has nothing to do with that. It could, if that's what you choose to do, but not in the, not in the use cases that are starting to scale.
1: Okay, so given, given, um, and that's better con, that, that, this is really helpful for me because some of these, these questions aren't, um, we design these questions not as inflammatory but things that we as professionals in this area were really pondering about and this leads to the with the, with the understanding of blockchain this leads to my next question and and I and I'm really interested in the in the, in the definition here can each of you please define what i call what is called health it
0: yeah. So I I view IT in healthcare as generally legacy systems being managed by um, somewhat legacy processes to control or protect, and so that's large monolithic applications, databases that are securing large portions of data that are siloed, and how do I do that in a way that is defensive and or- defensive oriented?
1: Yeah, because. The- we don't, hear, we don't hear something called media IT or telecom right. IT or something like yeah. that. So yeah. okay. that's
0: a good point. And I would also say that, that people in healthcare, uh, technologists in healthcare, view healthcare as different than other areas. <laughs> We're special. We have unique regulatory issues. All of that's different than, than other industries. We have to do, think differently. Okay. Okay. And, the, and the aerospace
1: industry is not regulated. Right, yeah, okay. exactly.
2: All right. So very much in line with that, it. it's, it's a compliance mechanism for a digital compliance mechanism, Okay. Healthcare IT. Um, you gotta remember that healthcare came from paper and is still, well, we still have faxes. So there's there's a fact that you're talking about jumping the shark entirely mm-hmm. from one state to the next. Um, Healthcare IT is also a manifestation of the multiple borders that we have within this industry. Um, we have borders. What, what do from you mean? States. Okay. L- literal um, borders. Okay. Literal borders from states to um, interoperability within C- CPT codes. Mm. There's borders there, so they didn't get mm-hmm. duplication of CPT codes. So, um, IT is again. I completely agree. It is mm-hmm. the legacy maintenance. Um, and incremental change Mm -hmm. based on business needs. Mm -hmm. Business needs though, because of what we've got, coming down the pipe right now, are changing rapidly. Mm -hmm. So we'll see where that goes.
3: Sure, Uh, I would definitely say from my perch and having worked uh, uh, in health IT for almost 20 years, um, it's really come down to support and enable the tactics uh, for a healthcare organization, whether it's their strategy, it's their business. Uh, When I started in health IT, it was just fun, it was great. Um, Now it's more, I've gotta do stuff that helps my business, whatever that is, and as a CIO, my business is, we're supporting revenue cycle management, care management, clinical research. If I'm not doing those things, nobody cares. Uh, within the executive leadership of of, uh, the hospital. Uh, So they're looking very closely at, okay, with blockchain, uh, when I was hired, uh, one of the first things they told me is we don't do cryptocurrency mining at Columbia. Mm -hmm. And I said, I I know, I know. (laughs) But when we talk about blockchain, as I think the gentleman mentioned here, that's the first thing people think of. Well, no, it's what does blockchain do for our business? That that's what people really care about? So health IT to me is really blockchain being one technology. How is that technology gonna help uh, the fundamental business of healthcare? Uh, in whatever way it can, um, and we as technologists uh, work with business to help define that and to, to execute on that.
1: Okay, so if I if, if I coalesce and aggregate the commentary on this, there's nothing, you know, it, it isn't because the, this industry uses a specific taxonomy because we, we could have, we could have machine learning learn this, the taxonomies very efficiently, et cetera, it's the actual endpoint application that differentiates it from other uh, technology suites, let's say. And, yes. I, and, and and so there's nothing from the substrate level and the technical level that differentiates health IT from aerospace IT.
3: Because yeah, I think that one of the, I work uh, with other health IT or healthcare CIOs yep. in New York Uh, also work with what's called fintech CIOs, and they give the same answer. My job is just to help Goldman Sachs, help Morgan Stanley execute their strategy. Got it. Um, So blockchain in the fintech world is a big deal. Uh, There's a lot you can do with blockchain. Um, We try to then adapt that in the same way in healthcare. How does blockchain help uh, our businesses?
0: Yeah, so so real quick, go ahead. ahead. The only thing I would just, I would argue, is that there still is a, and, I, and again, I was a CIO for a couple years as well, and dealt with a lot of the, the payer CIOs and working to interact with the, with various organizations. I think in healthcare, there's still a very large divide between IT and business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you've got, I, I agree with you, you've got IT who's trying to engage with business more and more because the pace by which is happening is quicker. We don't have, as compared to other organizations where it's really the same thing. There's a part, there is no separation right. between IT and business. And as a result of it, how is IT helping business we're never gonna get there fast enough. Right. In order, and as compared to IT, um, participating and partnering with the larger business unit to do something very different right. as a stakeholder at the table, not a ask.
2: You've also got multiple, multiple stages in, in healthcare. Healthcare, you've got payer, provider. You've got all these different elements that yeah. are creating, um, and each one well, of those- Well, that's changing though. The payers exactly. are becoming providers and providers are becoming payers, right. right? Also in that, if you use the analogy of the aerospace industry, right. Take a look at the litigiousness of the aerospace industry yep. versus the litigiousness of the healthcare industry, yep. and you fundamentally see the speed at which things change because right. of those, yeah. those issues. So um, that
1: that was very helpful for me. Thank you. So I'll start with Eric on this one because I'm I'm the low person on the the, the business total pool, totem pole here. I work at, at the lowly startup, and when I go in to pitch our company. Um, One of the things that I hear directly up front is for people who have been working in the health IT industry for 30 years, they literally tell me, I don't believe it's working. I have never seen anything work. And why do they come in with that attitude? And This is just anecdotal, but I, I see this over and over
3: happen. I think part of it is the, the adversarial nature. Okay, of the what do you entities. mean? Um, well, it's it's payers, providers, patients, pharma, all pretty much at odds with each other Okay. Uh, in various parts of, of healthcare processes, workflows. Um, I, I've worked with payers as well, yeah. and, and they made a great comment. You know, I have a business where I don't want customers. The less customers I have, the better. Right. So the less claims I get, the less providers are submitting claims, the better off I'm going to be. Um, that's pretty unique uh, you know, for an industry. So there's that adversarial nature, mm-hmm, uh, but I think it's also just the sheer amount uh, of, when you think about healthcare, 20%, 20% of GDP, sheer amount of transactions. People don't see the millions and millions of things going on uh, in health IT that do work. They focus on the things that don't work, right. that, that don't work well. That is a great uh, so point. So it's, if it's the one revenue cycle transaction that doesn't work, whoever it might be within that workflow, they pinpoint that, uh, and not the millions of other transactions that we have to conduct every day that work perfectly fine. All
2: right. Why do people, repeat the question again, why why do people say, I don't believe it'll, okay so. Uh, um,
1: Why do people in health who've worked in the healthcare IT industry forever say they come in immediately with the attitude that I don't believe it's
2: working. So I'm gonna probably say something that's a little bit controversial, but um, healthcare IT comes with a predisposed lack of imagination and uh, creativity. It, you have a set set boxes that you've got to create your solutions in. Um, when someone comes to you and you're, sh- you're showing code that's actually running on chain, um, it is not the first thing that you expect to see. You don't expect to see these things running before they ever get to you. Um, the average length of a, of a medium-sized project in the, in the healthcare industry is a year. So they're not expecting to see things working the way they are. It's, okay. it's, a, it's, a, it's a slow business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess I would, back to that initial statement, what's the value proposition of the people you're talking to? You get a, a health IT person who is looking at a potential technology. Their role is to protect the screw-ups, to, pr- to make sure that, that that we're making sure we don't have a claim that's failed. Mm-hmm. We don't have a rev cycle management. That's their goal is to protect. They're not necessarily looking at how money optimised? That's changing a little bit. Um, we, for instance, acquired a artificial intelligence company out of Boston a couple of years ago, and we've shaved 30% off yep. of our nurse call center because we've automated pieces. Yep. Right. So, so there is opportunity now where optimization, EBITDA is really sort of a tie. We're starting to look at more technology, but for the most part, people are saying, I don't believe it will work because my role is essentially to protect what I currently have. Doing anything above and beyond that is risky to me as a as a manager of those. So processes. that
1: homeostasis is yep. ingrained in the decision yep. making. Yeah. So here's the next question, and somebody, I think Jay, you just mentioned it. What? Why do you? Is that why we had 15? And, and 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 literally, this blew my mind at, at HIMSS when I found this out last year. 15 billion faxes in 2017 in healthcare. Why?
2: Why? There's no, first of all, there is no good answer for that.
1: And and it relates to the my next question. 35, Hems did a cybersecurity report, 35 oh, to that's 40%. Right. Yeah, 35 to 40% of all data at rest and in transit is in the cl- unencrypted.
2: So I was gonna say, my answer to the fact, the first thing is there's a fundamental misunderstanding of what is secure in okay. healthcare. Um, some, there is a mindset at times that, I, at least this is my observation, that a paper record is more secure than a digital record because of what they're dealing with in the media at the same time. Okay. Um, and that is fundamentally incorrect. The first place I learned how to break, to get into code was I would look through somebody's garbage can when I was a kid.
5: Yep. Yep.
2: And I mean, so that's exactly the fundamental place to break into a system. Um, why we have so many factors? Because it's extremely slow to change. And doctors have a job and their job is to work with their patients. right? So to change their systems, it is difficult. Got it.
0: Yeah, I'll use it just in our use case. We do 100,000 prior authorizations a day. Uh, 70,000, or 70% of those are on the web. So the entire process goes from beginning again and there's a decision. NCQA URAC requires us to then communicate above and beyond, they got an approval on the website and then I'm required to fax the provider an answer that is also the same approval that I've gotten and it goes right in the trash can. So some of it really is around the regulatory nature to the transactions in healthcare require an antiquated process that, that forces us to, to interact by fax or FedEx overnight, approval letter to patient because, well, the doctor got the approval, I have to document to regulatory agency that, that I also told a member
2: today. In technology, we talk about refactoring code all the time, yep that processes and regulations have not been refactored yep. in healthcare for a very long time, right. or if ever.
3: Yep. Uh, going through a large uh, epic implementation right now as part I'm of uh, Presbyterian, you're a Presbyterian. Uh, we're implementing facts. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, why? Well, uh, we, we have clinical groups that have said, we want facts, you uh, that's what we want to use. We don't want to use secure email. We don't mm-hmm. want to use anything else. Um, so I, I think it's behavioral in, the, in that regard. Um, now what we've implemented is something that we use the cloud, so it's, it's kind of a balance between we can use what we call secure fax, secure email together, mm-hmm. and be able to provide a very similar experience. Um, but I think uh, you know definitely you're mentioning with the, the amount of compliance, the amount of standards in healthcare. That's to me just being in the hospital every day. That's be, that, that's part of what drives things like using faxes a lot, mm-hmm. because that's all people have ever been used to, is such a strict environment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, certainly um, the, the New York Presbyterian, the Columbia environment, the laptops they use, the equipment use, some of the most strictly controlled that I've seen in any uh, healthcare setting uh, in my life. Because. That's the way with standards with compliance that things have been structured. So that's what people wanna use. Now, I, I don't think it's right, uh, but I, I do think that that's the way uh, a lot of our design decisions have to be made.
2: Don't you think we're in a place though in healthcare where? All of those, first of all, all of those regulations and all of those standards were put in place for a good reason to protect a patient at the beginning. Yes. Okay, but we're getting to the point where the advent of something like distributed ledger, where we can actually have access and actually distribute um, control of our medical records, we're getting to the point now where the opportunity lost mm-hmm. yeah. is now much greater than the risk of not going back and, and looking and refactoring those yeah. those uh, absolutely
0: that, that's what I was gonna yeah. say. I do think again, seeing the sort of last couple of years shift, I think we have sort of reached a tipping point yeah. where the the administrative process, even just from a financial burden Perspective. I'll use prioritization as an example. Thirty to eighty dollars unit cost to the hospital system. We dealt with a uh, hospital system that has three hundred full-time equivalent people doing just that process. Um, so I, I think there's a there's a push towards we have to change the wave of volume on utilization is changing. There's a there's a tipping point we're experiencing right now where it's forcing general siloed or legacy or organizations to transform and partner with adversarial organizations in ways that we haven't seen. Right. So while I think those Faxes are still there. I think there's a, there's a larger appetite towards significantly disrupting some of those administrative processes.
1: How, how many, how long we have? couple. Well, one, one minute? Okay. Oh. Wow. Uh, just real quick uh, uh, two, two questions, uh, very short answers. Uh, have any of you seen any live demos of
0: DLT technology? Uh, yeah, I've have seen one. Uh, okay. Happens to be uh, a Pocket Dot demo. Uh, yeah.
2: I've seen I've seen one. Shameless <laughs> plug. It happens to be a Pocket Dot demo. This was not staged, by the way. <laughs> uh, I've seen a lot. Awesome. One of them, one of them
3: was Pocket Dot.
1: Okay, awesome. Um, thank you. That was not staged. By the, way. the uh, So one word answer: behavioral or technical? Behavioral. Behavioral. Or behavioral. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Any questions? Thank you, guys. I,
0: I think they cut all the pleasantries. That's my vote. So yeah. okay, uh, we'll get ready for the next session. Very uh, quickly. That's
3: it. Thank you so much, guys. Oh, you're up already.
2: Okay.
0: Okay, we are uh, on to the next session here. Uh, I'm going to introduce Tom Savell from the CDC, and he's going to introduce this next panel on tokens and the Internet of Value. So, Tom, take it
6: away. Thank you very much. Nice to hear you. Uh, So, again, I'm Tom Savell. I'm with the CDC down in Atlanta, and you are now in the exciting session, which is tokens and the Internet of Value. Uh, you know, blending game theory, computer science, psychology, and economics. So I don't know how many of you here are roughly familiar with blockchain, but most of the thought leaders would agree that blockchain helps transform our current internet of knowledge into an internet of value. And it does that because the new technology enables what's known as the creation of a digital asset, or you want to call it a token, but it allows exchange of some sort of resource, whether it is a real asset or is a virtual asset. And because of that, it opens up a whole new world that my amazing experts here in this panel can talk about. And so just to mention who we've got today, and then they're going to each have five minutes. The ground rules are, when I finish babbling, they each have five minutes to talk about their perspectives on this whole new aspect that this technology brings and either the concerns or the benefits they see, each one goes five minutes. And hopefully, assuming time is great, we'll have five minutes for Q&A. So our speakers, and I'm just going to briefly do a, you know, a name and title, and then they can go on and talk more details. But we have... Um, Catherine uh, Kumeskus, and she's the co-founder of Simply Vital Health. We have Krista McFarland, who's the uh, founder and CEO of Patientory. We have Dr. M, who's the chief alchemist of EnderCoin. And on Skype, if it's working, we have Adita Vikram Singh, who's the strategy head for IndiaCoin. So with that, I'm gonna start my timer, and uh, Krista, I'm gonna let you, let me just get started here, and it's all yours, and you can do your magic.
4: Okay, great. Well, hi everyone, thank you for having me. Um, as Tom mentioned, I'm Chris McFarlane, the founder and CEO of Patientory. Um, we were one of the earlier healthcare tokens. We completed a token sale last year, June 2017, where we basically created um, 1 million, 100 million T-toys and sold 70 million, which is now currently actively publicly traded on the cryptocurrency markets. Um, and the basis for our utility token is to provide storage access, as well as to create um, transactions and smart contracts. That's done within our private, per- permissioned Ethereum base um, blockchain healthcare network. Um, where I see, you know, the future of tokenization. Um, and the actual v- value add for crypto assets in the healthcare space, um, again, is, is really getting on the onus of patients being able to control not only their their data, um, their information, but also to create a marketplace where they can also control, you know, what premiums they enroll in, you know, who the, who they see as doctors. So I believe that we are already using an infrastructure um, that's ripe for tokenization. Um, As we see 86% of employers today, they actually provide a um, system where employees um, can participate in value-based, I would say, premium impo- in, um, insurance plans, um, where they basically rewarded and incentivized for how engaged they are or, or how Im- they improve their, their health. So in creating a tokenized ecosystem, we're able to provide much more or less a standardization for that marketplace to exist um, and to happen. And I definitely see um, you know, insurance companies as well as employers, you know, being the ones who can really initiate and transform this process using crypto assets. I think I have two minutes.
6: Yeah, you have uh, two minutes and 30 seconds if you want to talk about some of the hurdles you think you we're going to have to overcome to get to where this end, this new end state.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the hurdle as we see now is, is much less regulatory. We've actually broken down some of the barriers with, in, in the European sense, with GDPR. Um, and I think a more push for, again, consumerize you know, ownership of information is just one step. Another step, as we all know, as we see it now, is, is the adoption and the incentivization process um, from larger companies, such as insurers and payers, to actually adopt this and put it into their current um, workflow systems. Um, so there, as well, we see that regulatory um, Barrier as to how these insurers and payers are going to be incentivized um, to actually want to adopt a crypto asset or, or tokenized approach in rewarding um, patients for something such as you know decreased premiums if if they get their blood sugars down. Uh, but I definitely see this as a basis and the foundation for for where. Again, we're creating a marketplace um, which now involves the actual patient um, to be able to make those decisions.
6: Awesome. Thank you very much. Very much. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll do, I'm going to give you one. Does anyone have one question? We'll one give it for question. one minute. If you have one minute question. I know we're
4: pressed for time. If not,
6: it's not a problem at all. And we'll keep on chatting. Catherine, it's all yours.
7: Sure. Yeah. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Simply Vital Health, and what we do at Simply Vital Health is we've created an open-source, healthcare-safe blockchain protocol. I'm a former hospital administrator at Yale New Haven, and when I was at Yale New Haven, I did <coughs> clinical programs, but I also bought and sold technology and had to put all of those companies through certain tech requirements and tech specifications and security specifications. Part of that process was a survey that went very in depth on the security protocol that they use in their applications. So because of that process and because of the experience that I had being a hospital administrator, we anticipated that healthcare was going to need a blockchain protocol that was safely adoptable. So we created Health Nexus, which is an open source public permission blockchain protocol. Open source meaning anyone can use it. If you're familiar with Ethereum, it's very similar, it's actually a fork of Ethereum, and you can create your own decentralized applications on top of Health Nexus. So as a company, obviously, because we created a blockchain protocol, the token or the, or the cryptocurrency is really important because it helps to power the system. You may have heard of smart contracts. Smart contracts are important because they help to power, or they help to, you can actually use a smart contract for Uh, any sort of uh, contractual agreement or arrangement between two parties or multiple parties. Uh, But in order to power that, in order to make it secure, in order to make it immutable and auditable, you do have to have some sort of power for that system. And So we obviously see cryptocurrencies as the power of the system, but then you can also see tokens as the next layer in terms of an application layer. So how can your tokens be used in application? So, as Krista mentioned, you can use it in terms of incentivizing patients for lowering their A1C if they're diabetic. Um, There are also really cool ways to use tokens on a larger scale. We see a really strong opportunity for health information exchanges and actually creating a fully autonomous and self-sustaining health information exchange using blockchain technology and tokens. Now, before you get way too excited, we are not close to that yet, <laughs> talking about barriers. Um, but in this health information exchange, what you can do is you can align all of the parties and the two main ways why health, most health information exchanges have failed to date, which is uh, a lack of trust and no business incentive. And what I mean by trust is we've actually had conversations with hospitals. Um, A large health system in Louisiana is creating a a CIN or a clinically integrated network with small mom and pop physicians and the mom and pop physicians are actually really nervous about giving their (coughs) data to the hospital because they don't know what they're going to do with that data. There's a lot of market share data, there's a lot of business intelligence data, and most hospitals actually take patients from smaller physicians. So there's really an issue of trust. Um, But if you actually knew how they were using this data, you could de-identify it, you could blind certain levels of the data, which you can do as zero-knowledge proofs. There's much more alignment in using this data collectively as an ecosystem. Um, The other side of it is there are lots of applications and startup companies, like we have a proprietary software that connects clinicians from different clinical affiliations and gives them the same data on their shared patients we could serve in that ecosystem as a way to work with other physicians and other hospitals in this self-sustaining, fully autonomous health information exchange. Now, the token can help power the system, it can power the smart contracts, because one thing that happens in health information exchanges, we're in Boston, there's a large health system that is notorious for not sharing data, I will not mention it, Um, But with a smart contract you can actually automatically identify on chain who's not participating in the health information exchange. And then you can have off chain governance or human governance to be able to identify whether or not they continue to participate in the health information exchange. And then, so that's at, the, that's at the power level, the smart contract level. And at the application level, you can actually use a token to incentivize the movement of healthcare data. So if I'm a physician and I, I have de-identified data and my patients have consented in, and I'd like to offer that data up for research and development, I can do that and I can get a token for that in terms of some sort of business incentive and business incentive. alignment. So we actually see a future where health information exchanges can thrive by using cryptocurrencies, tokens, and blockchain
5: technology.
6: Awesome. Thank you. Perfect. All right, Dr. M, you're up.
5: Yes. Thank you. So first of all, I would like to express my admiration uh, for my co-panelists for the work they are doing, really. Uh, You are a dream fulfilled. Um, I wished I could have done that, but blockchain was not around when I was... uh, (laughs) <laughs> your age, so, uh, but without further ado, I'd like to add to what was saying, uh, said here, that uh, we are departing from a, an entrenched, um, I think area, an entrenched domain, with very, very, very fixed ways of doing things, and this is where I <coughs> see that the, the power of tokenization, the new economics, the tokenomics, uh, what blockchain offers to disintermediate to empower the edge uh, is uh, actually very helpful because uh, i come at it not from the medical side but from the patient side so i want to build or i and as well i'm a computer scientist but i also want to support the building of technologies that are empowering the patient and uh, how can we do that this morning on a panel i heard about okay we're going to throw all the data to the patient and i'm like okay what am i going to do with all this data do i know to it, how am I going to cope with that? I don't want to deal with all this headache. So um, imagine that uh, if you are in charge with the data, you know, wherever that is, we would need the systems which you are creating in order to manage it so that the patient is only offered with what is relevant in the context of a question. So uh, let me uh, debunk this. What I mean is the granularity that tokenization and the blockchain are enabling. So if you would allow me to, to uh, uh, go a bit more into the future, and if you can imagine that, let's say, when you interact with a doctor, You do not have to be a deductor, you have a question, maybe it's not so bad, but you're not sure. Rather than paying per visit, or per hour, you pay per question. So this is actually what blockchain and uh, tokenomics of blockchain is enabling. Um, I I can give uh, several examples from Endor, which is a predictive analytics company. We actually are using uh, blockchain to incentivize participation, very much like my co-panelists mentioned. But uh, we go one step further. So the parallel would be if you imagine, you know Google, yes, everybody knows it. So um, Google enables all of us to use everything for free, but they have an economic model. Now, the only chance for a predictive analytics company, for a big data company, and uh, healthcare is a big data industry, uh, which we unfortunately don't regard as such, and and we do not reap all all the rewards. But the only chance for a big data company nowadays is to play with the big giants. So they would buy the whole engine, they would use it in a way or another. So we as patients would not access the power of such a powerful system. However, if we would enable the patients to access the system, just using tokens and pay just like, I don't know how many of you are used to video games. If I want to, use the, to play for 15 minutes, I pay a certain number of tokens. So that is probably the, the easiest parallel to, to get our heads around this new model. So I am only paying for the question which I am answering, for one question. Uh, this enables also the addition of new businesses to the system so uh, let's say a specialist or a researcher in a certain disease can add uh, new diagnosis or new answers to other questions for the system. So it is also incentivized in the same way with the tokens. And we can go further and further. Um, you mentioned, I think, or maybe I was just listening, I wanted to hear that, that you incentivize patients to give their data for research. At least this is what we are doing at MIT and is an MIT startup. We have a project in which we incentivize people to offer their data, of course, for diseases like was mentioned here, yes, psychological diseases and so on, patients don't really want to share the data. We incentivize them and reward them in this way. And, um, okay.
6: I think we're about. We have, that's about the five. The last oh, yes.
5: thing I okay. want to really say. Really, you
6: give us ten seconds more. Ten
5: seconds. Uh, so, LifeLink is a company which I'm advising. We are doing chatbots for healthcare, and we engage patients. This is also another way in which we can. Okay. Great. Uh, Thank you very much. Reward them through smart contracts.
6: Okay. So, is he? Do we have our, our last uh, member? Is he on Skype, or did he not? Does anyone know? We should didn't make it. Okay, so we'll just conf- let me just confirm in case he is on. So no Skype, no Skype. Okay. So we would have, uh, our fourth speaker, I guess, from India Coin, uh, I guess, won't be joining us, and I apologize for that. Um, so which gives us just a. What we'll do is let's take a few questions. Let's see, if, and then at this point we may be able to talk about a few the quick issues. So again, this is a huge issue. This whole concept of tokens, value exchange. Any questions or concerns you all have? Because I do have some great questions, but I'd love if you had a couple you want to start with that are confusing or challenging for you all. Any questions or issues around this, or just confusion? Yes, way in the back. Yeah,
4: yeah. I'll, I'll walk up to you. Um, there's a lot of talk
1: about incentivizing. Your data
7: and I'm wondering how that's fundamentally
6: different than just paying them in dollars by using tokens. Okay, great. So why don't we give it like, a, we'll do like one minute for each, just a quick quick answer and then we'll we keep on chugging. <coughs>
5: Uh, no, I mean, of course, the tokens are equivalent in dollars if at least today, yes, uh, 20 years from now, we do not know. That I talk about on other panels. But um, uh, it is not different. The only thing that you can keep track, if the patient donated or not the data, it is much easier to know with a tag on the blockchain. And then you also can keep track if the patient was paid and rewarded. So it is about that handshake, the smart contract, which works better on blockchain than in any other way. But I completely agree with you Uh, from the the perspective of uh, uh, you can pay them in dollars or in yen, in whatever the patient is, it doesn't matter. The important is to incentivize and reward and make sure that that reward was done properly. And if they give more data than others, they will get more. Mm -hmm. But it is automatic and it goes like uh, seamless.
7: Yeah, so in the health nexus, we have what's called a key pair system. And the whole purpose of the key pair system is to govern access to data. But the biggest differentiator, which you've already said, is the ability to track where that data goes. And if you were in this, the debate earlier, Dr. John Halamka mentioned this as well, it's the audit trail that comes from this token. And that's really important because there's a lot of data, licensing of data that goes on. Your data is being sold, and you're not benefiting from it. I know this because I've analyzed probably your data when I was working at Yale, so thank you. (laughs) Grew our market share with that. But companies like Pfizer spend $12 million each year by buying de-identified healthcare data. If there's a way to be able to have this trackable using a token instead of dollars, or fiat as we call it, then it's, it's a better system in order to track it over
4: time. Yes. So to- absolutely. Now, say you know, with, within our ecosystem, within PtoyNet, again, it, it's that infrastructure, it's that tokenized blockchain network, where you're you're not only you know securely being able to store that data, but you're able to track the data provenance um, as well. And with that crypto asset, you're able to to basically tie that business model to that infrastructure. And, and if I can just
5: follow up there, I
1: completely understand the use cases around smart contracts, and fact, data. Uh, but where I get hung up is why it's necessary to have an individual token these e-
5: three yes.
1: And instead, of using something like a stable coin, the likes of what Coinbase is put out. Because I think it's a barrier to adoption. It's a barrier to the patients understand a lot of the cryptography and individual tokens. And if you're using fiat or you know, a digital version of fiat, like a stable coin, we you might see you know, more adoption within these systems that you're designing. So, well, why is it necessary for you to use your own token
7: or stable so I'll jump in there, so we created a, what we call a healthcare safe blockchain protocol for the very reason because I worked at a hospital and we asked people what your technology is based on, if you're using an Ethereum-based application, you're actually gonna to have to tell the hospital administrator that you don't know where those servers sit. And that server could actually sit in North Korea, which is a total non-starter. And I know because I've had those conversations. And it doesn't actually mean that the healthcare data sits in that server, it just means that it's helping to power that network and it provides a little bit of kind of like a nervousness around using your system. So for us, the cryptocurrency is really important because it actually powers the whole system. Um, But the other side of it, stepping away from the Health Nexus protocol, is the best applications that are actually going to thrive and survive long term are those that create a user interface where it's really easy to interact and co-interact with tokens and interoperate with tokens and the user actually doesn't even know. And so it's really, they shouldn't have to deal with complicated keys. It should be <laughs> as easy as
4: Coinbase is and as adoptable mm-hmm. as Coinbase is. Uh, Chris, you want la- last, to Yeah, last, I was definitely last, going to, to minute, summarize go that, you know, and looking at, you, I understand where you come from stablecoin, Ethereum, but looking at the healthcare sense, you know, a lot of it surrounds privacy and data security. So you're going to see these private um, networks emerge that has addressed, you know, whether it's HITRUST, which we're going through certification right now, or just HIPAA, and then, and then you look at the global, um, regulations in each country, it's gonna be different um, for each, so having a, a coin that can really address you know, the different global standards of, of data regulation and, and how that coin or asset is accessing the data is gonna be really important, and as Kat mentioned, you know, we're really at the early stages of, of building these applications that essentially needs to have mass adoption. Um, and it's user experience friendly um, to be able to really see the uptake and usage of that.
6: Great, and just one quick closing comment for everyone. Keep in mind, again, you have these public blockchains and then you have private or consortium blockchains and both of those can have token exchanges Mm -hmm. for the ecosystem. So it doesn't mean if it's a token, it's gotta be public. So at CDC, we're doing a quick proof of concept and we're using a token also because it can be a proxy even for tracking metrics. Mm -hmm. Everything has value. So in any case, I think we're basically, we're on time at this point, correct? Thank you all so much for joining us. I hope you found it interesting. to our awesome panelists you guys enjoy your next
0: session